like to read to you from Rays of the One Light, which has commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda. Today's talk is on living in the presence of God. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25, we read of a king, capitalized for the reference is to God, who welcomes certain devotees to the divine consciousness, saying, I was and hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. The elect asked him when it was that they had served him in these ways, and the king answered, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, Ye have done it unto me. To see God as residing in every human being, as indeed he does, is to open oneself to limitless opportunities for serving him. Paramhansa Yogananda, in the Autobiography of a Yogi, described a saint who lived in this consciousness as the greatest man of humility I ever knew. He described a seemingly chance encounter with this saint. Another day found me walking alone near the Howrah railway station. I stood for a moment by a temple, silently criticizing a small group of men with drum and cymbals who were violently reciting a chant. How undevotionally they used the Lord's divine name in mechanical repetition, I reflected. My gaze was astonished by the rapid approach of Master Mahashai. Sir, how come you here? The saint, ignoring my question, answered my thought. Isn't it true, little sir, that the beloved's name sounds sweet from all lips, ignorant and wise? He passed his arm around me affectionately. I found myself carried on his magic carpet to the merciful presence. If you would see God, watch for him everywhere. If you would hear his voice, listen for it in all sounds and also in their supporting silences. If you would know God, seek his wisdom behind merely human knowledge. The Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter states, One who beholds my presence everywhere and all things dwelling equal in me, he never lose loving sight of me, nor of I of him through all eternity. Thus through Holy Scripture God has spoken to all mankind. Oh, I'd also like to welcome you. It's wonderful to share this Christmas time with you in a Sunday service. I'll begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity. Teach me, O Father, to find Thee in the cave of my heart, that I may walk with Thee everywhere. Teach me to hear Thee in silence, that I may hear Thy voice beneath outer noises. 
Teach me to find thee in inner peace, that I may be with thee calmly in the midst of outer tumult. Hubbub or silence, tumult or peace, I care not, so long as thou wilt teach me to find thee anywhere at any time. This topic of basically living in the presence of God, but really practicing the presence of God, is a wonderful one. And we all think of Brother Lawrence and humbly serving and all of that. But it's, it's actually a beautiful thing. In India, um, there is the, uh, I forget the name of the, the chant, but one of the lines of it is, Shoto 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 Ved, Tarama Na Nirakara. A thousand Vedas, Shoto 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 Ved, a thousand Vedas do declare my Tara, my Divine Mother, is everywhere, Nirakara, without form. And so we do both. You know, we really have to relate to God in the way that makes sense to us. And so Yogananda was once asked, is God formless or with form? And he said, actually both. You know, without form, everywhere in the cosmos. With form, frozen by my devotion, he comes to me in whatever form I love most dearly. So these are just wonderful ways to think about practicing that presence, but it is a real practice. We practice meditation, we have to practice the presence of God and having that with us all the time. And so um, it's interesting, just um, I've been reading the Bhagavad Gita, the essence of the Gita, and it's an amazing uh, scripture. There's everything in it, and the index, whoever did it, um, amazing, because you can look anything up in there, and it gives you wonderful advice about how to deal with things. But I was, I was remembering that um, many years ago, after I, I was teaching a meditation class, and was beginning meditation, and someone asked me, well, you've meditated for all these years, what have you gained? And that's always a very interesting question to be asked. And, you know, you're looking at the person thinking, what do you need to hear? <laughs> but, um, but it was good. I just could feel like went inside and I thought, and I answered, um, I think that what I've gained the most is that I know more who I am and why I'm here. And when I was reading the Gita, corroborates that, you know, as you go inside. And this um, uh, one reading that I wanted to read, it's uh, 8.8 of the Gita. That person attains the supreme effulgence, O Arjuna, who has his mind by long practice firmly fixed on me, thinks of me only. And it's the commentary is, with practice, this firm fixity is not a consequence of stern determination, but of total relaxation into the truth of one's being as he has perceived it and known it to be. And so it's, I love, 
yoga and the Gita and everything that we have on our path because it's so common sense. I didn't, I hadn't read that when I answered that person, but of course, what we gain the most, it's not anything glitzy, but it's thrilling because we know on a deeper and deeper level as we relax more into it, we know more and more who we really are and why we're really here. Hey, that answers a lot about why am I here and what am I supposed to be doing? You know, you know how to live your life in a deeper and deeper way, more focused way, I should say. And, uh, and that answers a lot. You know, all those questions that come up in the beginning that you ask, and what about this and what about this and what should I be doing and how should I be doing it? Really, a lot of that is answered in meditation, but also in deepening relaxation. And I would say, really keep in mind those two, because those are how you get to know yourself, and also because we are part of God, how we get to know God. So when we're practicing the presence, we have to be focused and relaxed in uh, a book that many people these days have read. It came out recently, Proof of Heaven, uh, by Eben Alexander, where he has this incredible, beautiful experience of going out of his body and into astral realms and all of that. But he comments when he comes back and fully recovers, miracle, um, that he said, what I felt the most was love. And that absolutely no matter what I do, right or wrong, or good or bad, or whatever, I'm always loved. There was that presence of love. And he, in fact, he describes the, the soul, this is after his experience, but he describes the soul as, he said, it's like the baby in the womb. He said, the all-encompassing presence of the mother is felt but never seen. The mother nourishes, the mother loves, The baby knows that, but never sees the mother in the womb. So, And he said that love, being a doctor, a neurosurgeon, he said that love uh, answers and cures all the anxiety that you could possibly find in the world. So interesting. But moving along into how do we actually practice the presence of God. What is the practice? We have meditation practice, and we know we do that every day, twice a day. That's what keeps us grounded and moving along spiritually. Practicing the presence of God includes that, but it's three, and again, in the Gita, it's mentioned specifically, three different elements. One is divine devotion. The other is yoga mastery, which for us is practice of Kriya Yoga and mastering that. And the third is concentration and perfecting concentration. But devotion and divine devotion, meaning on God, I thought, you know, at this time of year, I would highly recommend listening to the Christ Lives Oratorio and picking out one or two or whatever songs within that, pieces within that, that deeply inspire you that make your heart just soar and move up. And meditate on those. Use those, especially in this season. 
now at Easter, really any time. But, uh, but use those as a way to really, because the music, as we all know, it's a direct shot into the heart. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to try to understand it. It just goes there and it moves the energy. And those pieces of music are divinely inspired. And so that would be one way to practice that in this particular time. But devotion, if you don't have it, if you don't feel it, pray for it. And really try to live your life in a way that, that allows you to relax so that you can feel God's love and devotion. So again, these things, they're all tied together. Yoga mastery, practice of Kriya Yoga. If you're not a Kriya Yogi, become one. <laughs> and really hone in on how to perfect that practice. One of the other commentaries in the Gita, Swami Kriyananda, who wrote that amazingly within two months, um, what he says is that Watch the heart's feelings when you practice, especially when you're practicing things that you do every single day, because it can become by rote. In Italy, we saw that all the time. People would walk into these magnificent cathedrals, basilicas, churches, you know, just and then walk back out again. They'd throw some water on themselves, and because it was so common, you know, it was so, and it's a struggle. Delusion is always pulling us into that just mundane, you know, a part of it, expression of it. But really focus on the heart's feelings. And he said, especially in meditation with the practice of Kriya Yoga, watch the heart and make sure that the heart's feelings are uplifted as you practice. So again, Kriya Yoga, practice with the heart devotion so there you know and then the last one concentration really feeling that deepening depth of concentration where in that why is that so important that is the place where we can experience christ consciousness what is christ consciousness it is the reflection of the spirit unmoving spirit beyond creation in every atom of creation including us, every atom of our bodies, every atom of our brain, every atom has that reflection of the Christ consciousness within it. If we do not take the time to go deeper spiritually and to concentrate more deeply, we, we miss it. We miss it. And we all do this. I mean, you know, don't feel bad. You know, <laughs> If you had Christ consciousness, you'd probably be somewhere else right now. But, uh, but, but that you um, know that that's really important. I remember at one point, Swami Kriyananda said, he said, at the end of your Kriya practice, hold the mind up in the superconscious. And he did this. Hold the mind up in the superconscious as though a fish out of water he said, what happens if you hold a fish up out of water? It flops around for a while and then it dies. That's what happens to the mind and the thoughts if you hold them up in the superconscious. They'll flop around for a while, but if you stick with it, they will calm down and they will die. Lahiri Mahashaya called it the calm after-effect poise of Kriya Yoga. 
So anyway, those three things, very important for the actual practice of the presence of God. We can't just say, yeah, God, I love you, and then I forget about it and you know, come back at another time. But really focusing on how to practice that. The other thing that I wanted to do this morning is a little different and special. I've always enjoyed a piece that Nayaswami Jyotish wrote in 1998. It's called, I Am the Christ Within. And it's a, it's a couple of pages long. I'll read part of it. But I'd like you to sit up and close your eyes as we do this. And when it says I, it is the Christ consciousness within you, each one of you, speaking to you. And so it's, it's very beautiful. I'll read some of the paragraphs from it. I am the Christ consciousness which has been with you always. Before you were born, I was there. Before even the world was, I was. I am the Spirit of God that dwells in the heart of every atom. I am ever aware of you, though you see me not. To every part of your being, I give my unconditional love. On the day of your birth, I too was born within you destined from eternity to be the king and ruler of all your thought citizens. My birth took place in a humble, silent part of your mind. Only your pure and simple thought children knew of my coming, and even they had to be awakened from their slumber by the angels of your latent God-consciousness. As you grew, you began to call me with all your heart, I heard your soul call and came out of the clouds of your desires and distractions. I, the Christ within you, sought out those attitudes that were ready to become my disciples and called them to to them, follow me. Certain parts of you heeded my call. There was your devotion, born of lifetimes of meditation on me, which I called John and deep intuitive faith, this I named Peter. But even among the spiritual parts of your mind, not every aspect was fully developed. There was your Thomas, yearning to believe, but haunted by lingering doubt. And there was the wish to use my spiritual power to rule your other thought children, be they willing or not. Some years later, this Judas impatient with the slow path of love, would betray me to the powers of ego and worldly desire that still ruled your mind. According to God's will, I, the Christ consciousness within you, began to reveal myself more fully and to change you through miracles. During a time of celebration, I transformed the water of common everyday thoughts into the wine of ecstasy. And your thought children, who always love a good miracle, began to take notice and take the first tentative steps towards spirit. Light, which is my very nature, began to heal those parts of your mind which were ill and undeveloped. Latent talents crippled by neglect came to me and I helped them walk. I gave you sight where you were blind to the needs of others 
and to God's beauty. And where you had been deaf, I let you hear laughter and song. I taught you with the simplest of truths. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I showed you that there was no need to overload your senses with groaning banquet tables and never-ending entertainment. A handful of loaves and fishes could satisfy multitudes of desires as long as you remain near the Christ consciousness. And it goes on. It's a beautiful, beautifully written uh, piece. But basically what happens is that if we do practice the presence of God, which always, for me, brings to mind that incredible soul, Frank Laubach, who wrote letters to his father in 1930, and uh, they were deeply moving and deeply revealing of the process of someone who was living alone, who was absolutely so lonely he couldn't bear it, and so he started talking to God. And uh, uh, in those letters which I think I started reading this book in the late 1970s or something, but it's very magnetic because in these letters, without having contact with anyone around, he, he was a Protestant missionary in Mindanao, the Philippines, in 1930, surrounded by a completely Muslim population who had absolutely no interest in Christianity, and he didn't know the language. (laughs) And so he was trying to do something, uh, teach them how to read eventually, that kind of thing. But, um, But he just was desperate for something, and he was incredibly lonely. His family wasn't there. And so he goes through this process and he discovers what we talk about, practicing the presence of God. And uh, what he says at one point, which is really a peak uh, discovery, I would say, by someone in that position, is that he says really, there are a couple of other points before this, but really he said, what I can do for people and what the world and God needs me to do for people is to be the best Christian inwardly that I can be to commune with God every single day and never say a word outwardly about what I'm doing. That I become the living example of my beliefs, my faith. And he said, just recently... We were out in a boat, and another boat filled with Moros, Muslims, uh, came by with the priests in it, and, uh, and they were saying, oh, come and pray with us. And so he said, yes, I will, I will pray with you. And, and so he lifted up his hands and was deeply praying, and they saw that he was deeply praying. And one of them yelled out, just one of the people, he is, he is Islam. And he said, no, a friend of Islam. 
But, but people recognized, and they did, they began to come to him, not for Christianity, but for deep spirituality and for helping uh, them to grow in ways of reading and you know, just more practical things. But um, what happens for each one of us, and Swami Kriyananda gave a talk in the early 1980s. At that time it was called The Divine Romance. And then it was renamed for a treasures talk, Devotion and the Spiritual Path, or Devotion and Spiritual Growth. But um, what happens is that we begin to, if we persist, we begin to develop this relationship with God. And it becomes a divine romance for each one of us. It's inward, it's not anything that you show outwardly, but it's deeply meaningful and that whole process of coming to the place where you really know more and more deeply who you are, God helps you along with that process, if you're open to it. And uh, God becomes your divine friend and will, if you keep asking the divine for help and I really want to grow and I really want to get rid of these things that I do which are keeping me from growing, God will help you in that. And that's why it's really important to welcome and uh, be grateful for any tests that you receive. Because literally, they're, they're heaven sent. They're from God. And they're specifically sent to help you grow. It isn't, the divine romance is not just flowers and nice music and, you know, candy and that kind of thing. It's, it's the uh, perfection of your soul so that you can merge in that divine. And with that, the love that you give to God, wherever it's at right now, it has to be perfected because like can go into like. And so that divine romance allows you to perfect your love, focus it, concentrate it, uh, make it more pure, not attached, and then at a certain point you find that your love matches the love that God's giving you, and then you enter into that divine love. And so with all of this, practicing the presence of God is vital if you're going to ever have that happen, and uh, very important for just daily living. And so with that, and the beautiful reading that we read this morning, it comes around to that you see, as I said in the beginning, you see God everywhere. You see Divine Mother looking at you everywhere, everywhere, throughout nature, through other people, the eyes of other people. And, you know, all of these things, when we read the readings from the Bible where, you know, you did this and you did this and you did them to the least of me, it has to be real for us. We can't just... Lots of people do service. They don't know God. In other words, they serve socially. But they haven't merged in that divine. So at the same time that you're serving outwardly, you have to be perfecting inwardly your consciousness more and more to the superconscious so that what you really see, which, you know, Swami Kriyananda told that story repeatedly over the years of the dream that he had in Florence of seeing all these people and they were just 
people on the street, you know, as he said, mafiosi and businessmen and all kinds of people, but in every one of them he actually had the experience of seeing God in them. And that's that's where we're going. You know, good to serve in the meantime and to do things and to use your energy, but know that it also has to become more and more refined to where, of course, you love everyone because you see that they're part of you and in that divine presence. And also practicing the presence of God, that beautiful quote from the Bhagavad Gita, He who watcheth me everywhere, him do I watch. He never loses sight of me, nor do I lose sight of him through all eternity. God will be your friend, God will be your beloved, and God will protect you in all ways if you're communing inwardly and seeing him everywhere. <laughs>